There isn't just one way to make a living, not today, especially in the world of e-commerce. But a lot of times it comes down to getting the right information, something that we are gonna talk a lot about in today's episode. Hey, what's going on? So glad you're here. My name is Benjamin Gottlieb, and this is Learn with Shopify Live. Joining me today is Lynn Allure. Lynn is a serial entrepreneur, a YouTube star, and she is here to share all of her tips for success. Lynn, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you all about finances and business and all the good stuff. And so are we. And by the way, if you're watching right now, just a quick reminder that we do on all of these episodes, we want to take your questions too. So make sure you drop them in the comments section. We'll make sure to get to them if we have time. Uh, Lynn, before we jump in, let's start from the beginning, right? Uh, I believe you actually went to school for finance and you started your YouTube channel during that time. And your first video, if I'm not wrong, one of your first videos had to do with selling a product on Shopify. Tell us a little bit about that experience, how that kind of started you off on this journey. Yeah. So actually, surprisingly enough, the first video I ever created on YouTube had nothing to do with finance, even though I was in school um, for accounting and finance. My first video was more so of a creative outlet for me. Accounting and finance is super mundane. And I was kind of looking just for a creative outlet. And I was on YouTube a whole lot and submerged in the community. So I figured, you know what, let me share my little tidbits. And my first video was actually a story time. Then I started doing, you know, hair and makeup and fashion videos, all the things that I loved, which I still do love. But as I grew older, my interest changed a little bit as well. And I started to get a lot more secure in my financial journey and felt like, you know what, let me share where I'm at because a lot of people, um, they suffer with their finances in silence. And so I just shared my journey with personal finances and, I had done some work with Shopify, um, using Shopify as my website builder, and it was really great. So I just shared a little bit of my experience and my journey, and it resonated with a lot of people, and it took off from there. Well, personal finance, and as you mentioned, I think a great way to think about it, suffering in silence, that is something that can be common for a lot of folks. It can be embarrassing, right, to be struggling with your finances. Uh, but let's go back, if we can, to this uh, store that you started on Shopify. Uh, my understanding is you were selling uh, hair accessories. Is that right? Hair extensions, which I guess hair are extensions. Like, you know, yeah, hair accessory, hair accessory, right? <laughs> I guess. So, yeah. so wh wh why did you decide to start selling that, and how did it do? Okay, so I decided to do that because I was creating so many videos about hair extensions. Like I said, I was doing a lot of hair, makeup, and fashion videos, and I saw that my hair videos were taking off more than um, everything else. And you know, my community just really loved the topic of hair, hair extensions, and all that good stuff. And so um, I naturally just started creating a store because people would ask me, my audience would ask me, are you going to sell these? I would like the exact same thing that you have. And so my audience kind of gave me the idea to do it. I had zero intention of starting a store or monetizing my platform or anything like that. I was just sharing just because I liked it and I wanted a creative outlet, but they gave me the idea. I ran with it and I was like, whoa, what just happened? To answer your question of how it did, it went amazing. I launched the store, I believe on a Friday and it was sold out by Tuesday or I let everyone know it was going to be available on a Friday. And then by Tuesday, I was all sold out. So it did wow. great. <laughs> no, that's incredible. And that is something that we're actually uh, learning 
no pun intended, on this channel a lot is this idea of building an audience first and then having a product that kind of develops organically. Um, do you see that as a viable path for folks that are looking to get into e-commerce, uh, but perhaps don't know exactly what to sell, but they are affable and they feel like they should put an audience together? Oh, absolutely. Not only is it viable, but I think it's one of the smartest ways to go about it in terms of pressure and stress on you. Because if you just launch a product, just cold launch a product and you have no idea who's going to buy it, you have no audience or community online, it puts so much pressure on you to make it work when the odds are kind of against you because no one really knows it exists. You haven't really gotten a chance to understand your community, your audience, and what the true pain points are. You might think you know, but through communication and connection, you you get more of an insight. You get the same questions repeatedly and then you recognize, oh, okay, this is a pain point. For me, I knew it was the quality of the hair extensions because a lot of people would say, yeah, you know, I'm going to look for a vendor or supplier that makes good hair extensions and then they would get it and the quality was basura. So um, that was something <laughs> Which that- means trash, by the way, if anyone doesn't- Exactly. Or <laughs> trilingual around here. <laughs> But yeah, I, I figured, um, I thought I knew what it was. I thought, you know, people just wanted to look good, but it's more, it was more so about the longevity um, while still having affordability. So that balance between good quality hair extensions that wouldn't look all matted up and dull within the first week or so, but also were affordable. So I got more and more insight into um, who my audience and community was and what they were truly um, what a pain point truly was for them. And so I think you give yourself grace to just kind of figure it out organically when you build a community first, instead of just, you know, trying to launch a product without really knowing who you're going to sell it to, how you're going to sell it to them. And if it's going to be valuable to them, because at the end of the day, you want to provide value. That's the name of the game, providing value. So understanding your audience, really important uh, and understanding who you're trying to sell your products to. Great learnings there. I'm chatting with Lynn Allure, serial entrepreneur, YouTube star, and an early Shopify adopter. We're so happy to have you. By the way, we're seeing some questions come in from you, the audience. Please go ahead and put your questions in there, and I'll make sure to ask them of Lynn as we continue with the interview. Uh, Lynn, just one more question about uh, your first kind of experience into e-commerce with these hair extensions. You know, a lot of times we talk with folks, with merchants who didn't have a lot of experience with their product before selling it. I'm just curious, did you have much experience with hair extensions prior to selling them? And if so, how did that help you in knowing, you know, what products actually put out there? Yeah, I had experience using hair extensions before, never selling them, but I was a customer myself. So I kind of knew what to look for. And that definitely helped me to um, sell better. I think it just takes the pressures off of you when you know what it is that you are selling to your audience. I think sometimes people hear that something is lucrative and they just want to hop into it because they hear it's lucrative. But if you're not a consumer, it's a whole new world and it's even much more of a learning curve. For me, the world of online entrepreneurship was new to me. And so to have to jump over another hurdle of not only setting up a store, you know, learning about marketing and digital products and email chains and 
graphics, all this other stuff, graphic design, setting up the back end of these online websites. I'd hate to have to add another learning curve of just understanding my product and understanding what good quality is versus bad quality. I think if you are looking to sell something online, it's so much easier if you yourself would be a consumer or if you have a really great idea of who the consumer would be. Maybe um, it could be something like, a product to help, you know, folks who are not able-bodied. And maybe you're a caregiver for folks who are not able-bodied. You might not be a consumer yourself, but you you have great experience and exposure to the product that you're selling. It just helps so much more. Don't just hop on something because you hear it's lucrative. I think it's better to to have a an understanding and a some slight passion towards it too. Helps a lot. Totally. And uh, just back to your point, it gets back. To, there's there's all these things to learn, right? About when you're trying to get started with e-commerce uh, and even Lynn had to go through some of these learning curves. So for folks watching, uh, these are things to consider when you're launching into uh, this type of business. By the way, speaking of launching in, let's get some of the questions going from the audience. We've got a couple questions here from KB. And KB is asking, what's the starting investment needed roughly? I think KB is referring to when you started your first store. What was the investment that you uh, roughly needed to get going? So my first Shopify store, I actually started for under $100. And I created a video on this on my YouTube channel. Um, Sometimes people think they need to get a business loan and invest thousands of dollars to start something up. That isn't necessarily the case for some business models, it's inevitable that you're going to spend thousands, but we're so fortunate we live in a day and age that, you know, almost everything is accessible to us at our fingertips via Wi-Fi and Google and YouTube University. I learned a lot of what I know through YouTube. And so it only makes sense that I share a lot of what I know on YouTube as well. So that, um, that first store that I launched, it was under a hundred dollars. I used somewhat of a drop shipping model. I created my own graphics on Canva. I, I looked up how to find vendors. I did the back and forth emails and cold calls continuously and made sure that our communication was really tight so that once I get an order, I can let my vendor know right away and they can send it out with my own branding on it. So um, yeah, under a hundred dollars, we got it going. I mean, that is remarkable. Uh, so speaking of, let, let's transition a little bit out of hair extensions. That was, That's obviously not the only thing you've done. You've gone on to become an investor. You're involved in real estate. You have this thriving YouTube channel. And even before you got there, uh, one of the things that you were doing is getting involved with digital sales, right? My understanding is that you were selling digital products. And there's actually a question here from Pam from the audience asking, how do I sell my book on Shopify? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were also selling digital products, uh, eBooks as well, right? Yeah, I had a digital product. It was... Um... Well, we still have it, actually. It's a budget planner that helps you to budget for the entire year and just kind of organize your finances, see it at a glance every single month. And so there are great plugins you can use with your Shopify store in order to start selling your ebook. It, it's kind of like you're fulfilling a product, except it's automatic. And so it's even greater. You don't have to ship anything, right? Nothing physical is being shipped. Exactly. So it's even better because um, if it fills automatically, you don't have to ship anything and you just download one of the extensions on the Shopify backend and it fulfills. Well, Lynn, are there any specific uh, things that you did differently for this budget planner 
uh, when setting up that store versus, for example, the hair extension store? Hmm, that's a great question. Anything I did differently? Well, I had a little bit more insight because I had done it before. So it was a little bit quicker, I'd say. I also let people know that it was going to be available before I launched it. Whereas with the hair extensions, I kind of launched and was like, hey, uh, we've got hair extensions. So I kind of <laughs> did a little bit of a, a teaser, a trailer, if you will, that, hey, something great's coming. I had built up an email list by that point as well. First time around, my only source of traffic was YouTube. And then I realized that I don't own the algorithms on YouTube and I don't own the traffic on YouTube either. So I learned to create an email list and have that direct dialogue with my community um, that doesn't rely on how the algorithm gods are feeling that day. Well, that's really interesting. And maybe that helps inform this other question. We're going to take one more question here from the audience before we move on. Uh, This is from Learn with Linda Moore. And Learn with Linda Moore is asking or saying, I have a Shopify store and I sell hair extensions, but I have not made even one sale for the past six months. Please tell me what I am doing wrong. Ooh, that is a really great question. And there's so many answers to this. That's why I have the Good Girls Gone Boss Society, which is like a private community where we talk about the the before, the during, and the after of having an online business or just creating streams of revenue on the internet because there's so much more that goes into it. I would say that setting up this store, especially with platforms like Shopify, is actually one of the easiest parts. For me and um, from a lot of what I hear back from my community as well, the hardest part is the marketing because there's competition, there's branding, there's identifying your avatar. So I would say one of the best things you can do is to identify who it is you're trying to sell to and then identify where they congregate. So are they primarily on TikTok because maybe they're a more younger crowd? Are they a little bit more mature or are they career galleys? Are they on LinkedIn primarily? Really understanding your avatar and getting really, really specific. So specific that you're almost best friends with this person. You know their idea of like a great vacation. Would they rather be in Paris or would they rather do a hiking trail? Like understanding them to their core helps you to know where they're congregating and how you're able to speak to them in their language. But there's a lot that goes into it. So I couldn't tell you one, the the worst thing you're doing or the the best thing you could do to improve. I guess I'd have to know a little bit more um, about how you're marketing and how you set up your store thus far. So maybe after this, send me a DM on Instagram or watch some of my YouTube videos where I go into depth on this kind of stuff as well, or check out Good Girls Gone Boss because there's a lot of free resources there that you can use as well as on the Shopify YouTube channel too. Well, there you go, Linda. Uh, An invitation to reach out to get into uh, Lynn's DMs. That's pretty awesome. I'm chatting (laughs) with Linda Lore, a serial entrepreneur and YouTube star. We're getting through all of her learnings today about how to succeed selling online and building wealth in general, which we're going to get to in the latter part of this interview. But Lynn, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about when you decided to leave your full-time job and start doing this, being an entrepreneur and investor full-time. I mean, that is a massive, massive risk for many people, and it takes a lot of courage. Um, When did you know that this was what you wanted to do, 
And for folks that are watching who are maybe in that moment where it's like, oh gosh, do I leave this nine to five that I hate and I just try to do it on my own? When is the tipping point? How do you, how do you determine when that is? So as an investor, I'm very risk adverse. Um, a lot of people might not think so because of maybe you look at my portfolio and think like, oh, this girl's a risk taker. Absolutely not. I don't play games with my money. I've been poor before and I'm, I have a fear of going back there. So I am very risk adverse and I didn't actually quit my nine to five job as an accountant until my online endeavors were out earning my nine to five. And I think a lot of times we hear the story of someone who's quit their job with only $8 in their bank account and they made it happen. But that just wasn't the circumstance for me, I just didn't have that option or that privilege to do that. I mean, it would be great, but um, I have my own bills and I can't, I can't quit a job with $8 to my bank account. So um, neither can I. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Most of us can't do that. It's so stressful, but we, we often hear these extreme stories and they make for great entertainment and it's very inspiring, but it's not a lot of our reality. A lot of us have responsibilities that we can't just abandon based on a dream. And so um, I like to be very practical and risk adverse with my financial decisions. And so I balance the two. And I often recommend for people to do that because for me, it was such a seamless transition. I had my nine to five. And then when I'd get home from my nine to five, I'd record a YouTube video. I'd check my emails on my lunch. I'd um, I'd just balance the two of them and school full time and a bartending job as well in the night. So it's very possible. It's just more so of a a time management thing and prioritizing. I did make sacrifices. I wasn't able to, you know, hang out all the time or um, maybe watch as much television um, as (laughs) maybe I get to now, but it was an investment in my future. So to answer your question, I didn't make the leap of faith. I I didn't take a huge leap. It, It was just it made sense. I'm looking at my online endeavors, really out earn my salary as an accountant. And I said, okay, now's the time. Let's go. So essentially it was a financial decision that made sense. And I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of times we're exposed to these stories about, I had nothing in my account. I just risked it all and look how successful I've been. But again, as I mentioned in my introduction, there are so many ways to make a living today. And that's what's incredible and amazing about e-commerce and the internet is it's democratized the way that we can earn, right? So uh, again, great learnings here. Let's turn Lynn to a couple other questions that are coming in from the audience. This comes from the boss generation who is asking, what advertising channels were most successful for your business? I'm assuming that um, that the boss generation is asking about your first, your early businesses online. You've got other stuff coming on that we're going to talk about later. But what were, what were most successful for you in terms of advertising channels? Definitely YouTube. YouTube is great because I, I'm always preaching about it because of your ability to connect with kindred spirits all over the world. I know with the rise of TikTok, um, the numbers might have changed. I'm not too sure. I haven't checked as of late, but you know, Google is the number one search engine in the world followed by YouTube and Google owns YouTube. So when you think about it like that, like there are billions of users on YouTube all the time. There are so many different communities. And so you just showing up and being yourself allows other people to find you. And sometimes, you know, your interests can make you feel isolated in your friend group or your immediate circles because our friend groups are so small. It just consists of our family and friends. And maybe that's five, 10, 20 people, even 
if you're super social, it could be like maybe 50 or something, but on the internet, it's thousands of people. And so you're able to just find the people who are interested in what you're interested in. And so that's why I loved YouTube. It's also a video platform. And so you get to connect a little bit better. I watch people's videos and I'm like, oh my God, I could be friends with this girl because <laughs> you get to know them, like them and trust them. You see their cadence and the way their tones are, you know, with blogs or um, short form vertical video, you get like glimpses of people with blogs because it's, um, you know, all words. Maybe you're interpreting how they're saying things a little differently in your tone of voice and whatnot. So I love YouTube because it's the closest thing to in-person that we have. It's video, it's, you know, dynamic and it's long form. So that's the, the channel that was best for me personally. It was best for you. It's dynamic. It's long form. And you mentioned thousands of people being able to watch. Uh, I think to correct you on your own channel, it's hundreds of thousands of subscribers. So uh, very successful. And I have to ask, um, for folks that are watching that are like, yeah, this sounds great, Lynn, but I have 10 followers. Or I have 100 followers. How did you build your audience to, I think it's something like over 400,000 subscribers right now. How did you do that? Yeah. So I actually, once again, going back to the channel, I have a long, like 45 minute video detailing how I grew and little tips and tricks um, regarding the algorithm and, you know, finding video ideas. But beyond all of that, I think just authentically being myself is something that really, really helps. A lot of times we hop on a camera and instantly freeze up. It's happened to me as my channel has grown, to be completely honest, because I'm like, oh my God, there's way more eyeballs on me. But if you just remember that there are other humans on the other side who are just as human as you are, they're authentic, <laughs> they're vulnerable, they have emotions just like you. It helps you to just kind of warm up a little bit and just be yourself. When you're yourself, you give other people the permission to be themselves as well. And you wouldn't even recognize, you might think, oh my God, I only have 10 or I only have a hundred subscribers. But if you had a hundred people in your living room right now, you'd be so overwhelmed. That's a lot of people who have decided <laughs> yeah. to subscribe, stick around, see what else you have to talk about and what else you're interested in. And so just showing up and being your authentic self, you have the privilege of being on the internet because there are so many different types of people. And there's honestly nothing in this world we go through alone at all. You might be the only one in your circle, like I said, but you're never the only one. And so if you are yourself, you give people who are looking for you the chance to find you and it's freeing and you cultivate a community that is truly there for you and what you have to speak about. You know, if you put up a facade, it's hard to maintain that. And you create a community that is interested in a version of you that doesn't really exist. And so I, I think just showing up and being yourself, regardless of what the standard or the norm is in your industry, you know, I start... I start talking about finance and business and I'm like, girl, yes, my hands are moving around. I'm here in hair and makeup and I'm super girly, but it's my authentic self. And guess what? There are other people who resonate with that as well. And so I think being yourself is the best tip. It sounds so woo-woo and cliche, but I promise <laughs> being yourself combined with all those little tips and tricks and that YouTube video I'm talking about combined, it's a recipe for success. 
Well, please go ahead and check out that YouTube video that Lynn is talking about. I'm chatting with Lynn Allure, serial entrepreneur, YouTube star, sharing all of her successful tips here for you today. Um, speaking of the videos on your channel, uh, I checked them out. Some of them are really, really helpful. And one of them that stood out to me was a video you a video that you have about tips for fixing your credit, which I think is really interesting because as folks are getting and starting to get involved in e-commerce, maybe they need to take out a loan or they need a credit card. Um, they need to you know, have some extra capital. Um, talk to me a little bit about that video and, and what tips you might have for folks who, who do need to fix their credit. Yeah, I think credit is another topic that's extremely daunting because it's so important for a lot of the financial decisions that we have, but we don't really learn about it in school. Even someone like me, I went to school for finance and accounting and I still had to do some independent research and, and detective work to figure out some tips on um, improving my credit. So one piece of advice that I have that stands out to me is understanding your credit utilization. A lot of people are afraid of credit because they've just been told that it's bad, but actually having a low credit utilization is quite great for your credit and it helps to improve it pretty quickly. Um, I worked with Capital One on that video and I remember there being all these like legal implications on claims. And so let me follow their lead by saying, <laughs> uh, this is not financial advice. <laughs> There and you go. <laughs> I'm not making any for sure claims, but in my experience and in the experience of people who I've shared this with and have implemented it, um, when you, you have a low credit utilization or you pay off your balances before the credit report date, that actually makes a huge difference in your credit for the better. And it's something you don't need to hire a credit repair person to figure out. You just can buckle down, do the work and start paying attention to when um, when your credit is being reported, what those balances are and keeping it under the, the general number out there is 30%, but even lower if you can do 11% uh, credit utilization, even greater. Um, having access to credit that you're not tapping into just sends, it sends a good a good note off to creditors that this person is responsible with their credit. And ultimately that's what grants you larger loans like mortgages or um, business loans and things like that. So just to extrapolate, making sure that you haven't maxed out all of your credit, that you've got some leeway, some space in there to show uh, creditors that, you know, you can take on more risk. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Lynn, another question here from the audience. This is from Nadia. And Nadia is asking, um, how did you structure your marketing when you first began? I think a lot of folks who are watching are probably in the early stages. And so they're looking up to you as an example. Uh, so how did you structure your marketing when you first started? Yeah, a lot of trial and error. Um, I'm still very like finance first. I mean, I have a, a general understanding of marketing enough to do it, but I didn't go to school for it. You know, some of my counterparts have degrees in marketing and they've studied this masters in marketing as well. So um, for one, I would say, give yourself grace to try different things. You know, trial and error is going to be your best friend. Um, also studying what other people are doing. It doesn't necessarily have to be your competition, but maybe other people in your industry and pay attention to what's getting traction, both organic and paid media. Just see like what's getting good engagement, you know? Um, is it customer reviews? Is it um, 
outfit of the days, if it's fashion, things like that will give you an idea. How I personally structured was I used YouTube a lot. Like I said, I, I wasn't planning on starting a store. And so I was kind of marketing before I knew I was marketing. I was just creating the audience, but I was creating a lot of free content or sponsored content by brands, but just putting my spin and a, a little drizzle on there. I think um, something that's unmatched is just showing up, like putting a face to your brand is really important um, because it's the closest thing to in person. And and people tend to buy from people. There are 101 hair extension companies out there, not even 101, um, a million and one um, different <laughs> places that you can get hair extensions. Sure. But not all of them are me. No, none of them are me. And there's somebody else who's out there who markets way better than me because they, they just resonate to their audience in a different way. So I think showing up on video is really helpful. If you're someone who is extremely uncomfortable being on video, it's okay. There are still solutions because there are so many ways to build online revenues. Sorry, online revenue streams. I would say in that case, having ambassadors is a great alternative to showing up yourself. So if you're someone who's excruciatingly uncomfortable being on camera, try um, finding an ambassador who does match your audience and can and relate can relate that message to them. So it doesn't necessarily have to be you. If you're pushing a product, you can find, as Lynn just mentioned, some ambassadors. If you're just joining us, I'm chatting with Lynn Allure, serial entrepreneur, YouTube star, early Shopify adopter, sharing all of her tips for success for you today. Please keep those comments coming in, in the comments section below, and we'll do our best to answer them. Lynn, I, I got to ask you, because given the financial realities of today, we have record high inflation in some aspects. We have the cost of goods keeps going up. And wages, for the most part, have remained relatively stagnant. A lot of folks are looking for an additional income stream, right? Kind of known colloquially as a side hustle. I'm just curious, do you have uh, an idea for what would be a really good side hustle for the end of this year heading into next year? Yes, I would say focus on what already sparks joy for you. And also think about something that you do for free right now that people are always asking either for your expertise, your help with, your insight on. Um, I often say, you know, pay attention to your talents. And then people are like, oh, I don't have any talents. (laughs) I just sit around and watch TV. And that's just a lie that you're telling yourself. You absolutely have talents. You absolutely, it could be you're the person in the friend group that everyone comes to for advice a podcast. Hello. Um, (laughs) Like there's always a way to create impact and value based off of something that, you know, you don't have to be the best at something either. You just need to be helpful enough at it to help people um, and, and be a value. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, I'm not a billionaire, but I've seen success in entrepreneurship and I can share my journey and be helpful to somebody else. So I would say focus on something that you're good at. If you're finding it difficult to identify your talents, ask the people that you're closest to, if it's friends, family, a significant other, and just find out what they would say you're really good at. Hone in on that. Combine your talents and your interests, because sometimes you're good at something, but you hate it. 
like maybe you're really good at cooking, but you just hate cooking. Maybe starting up a catering company wouldn't be the best idea. Yeah, I would say it's not for you. <laughs> right. But maybe you're really good at organizing and you find it therapeutic. You actually enjoy it. Perhaps you can be a closet organizer, which absolutely is a thing. I've done it in my college days. It's lucrative. It's great. And it's impactful because a lot of people are looking for organization in their home, but maybe their lives are super busy and they have other responsibilities and they can't get to it. So you're able to sprinkle a little bit of uh, organization, peace and solace into their homes. So I would say focus on what it is that you you enjoy and what you're good at, combine it. And there's always a way to create a stream of a stream of revenue there for you. A lot of through lines I'm, I'm kind of pulling out from this interview, uh, Lynn, and I think one of the main learnings here is just to be honest with yourself, it seems, right? Uh, being honest about what your strengths are and your weaknesses are. Don't try to be someone other than yourself. Uh, you use the uh, the word woo-woo, but I think that actually it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, trying to do things that are not within your authentic self can be really difficult. Lynn, let's let's keep going. Um, and I want to I get into this, this issue of, of e-commerce and just you know who traditionally has been involved in selling things online uh, it's not a secret i'm not i'm not breaking news here that the world of e-commerce in its early days was very male dominated and you have and and many other women have really broken that mold and created an environment where all sorts of folks can sell and be successful anything that you can share about what it was like maybe in your early days coming kind of butting up against maybe some of that resistance and Anything, any words of inspiration for folks that feel like they just can't do it? Yeah, that's a great, I love how you framed that actually. That's a a great question. I think that um, coming from the corporate world, being in business and finance, those are spaces that are heavily male dominated um, and very conservative as well. And so I found myself, you know, kind of shrinking a little bit of who I was to, into these spaces where I knew I was kind of already an oddball out. You know, I was always one of the youngest, one of the only women, one of the only Black women. I've actually never worked with a Black woman in like corporate spaces as well. So I found myself really kind of trying to shrink myself or just not say too much, not be too outspoken, but speak up enough that I don't seem incompetent. And After some times, it it kind of takes a toll on you. I think it's really important for you to identify ways to create your own table. If you find yourself constantly begging for a seat at the table or having to change who you are in order to keep your, your seat at the table, identify ways to build your own. And it doesn't have to be immediate. It doesn't have to be, you know, a a very dramatic exit or anything. Don't burn bridges or do stuff that's outside of your character. But I I think it's really important. And when you do get to those spaces to give back as well and give back without expecting anything in return, just, just share because you never know who resonates with your story. And we had a conversation just before we went live about everyone's story being valid. Everyone has a story that is unique and can impact in different ways. And so maybe Jeff Bezos might share his entrepreneurial uh, journey and it resonates with someone, but I might share mine and it resonates with a completely different audience or demographic. And it's important that we continue to share these um these journeys, both the ups and the downs, because it helps other people to um, 
just see themselves and feel inspired. Representation really does matter. And more and more women are infiltrating the space of business and finance, but it's still not enough. It's still a very dominated, male-dominated industry. And it's not men's fault per se that they just exist and they, they're taking up these spaces. I'm glad that we're infiltrating um, these spaces more, but I think it's important that we create spaces for other women to feel seen, feel heard, feel respected, and feel inspired and empowered to um, go after their, their goals and their dreams without mainly judgment or fear of being shunned. Yeah. And let's not forget that I I think we can all agree diversity of thought and ideas can only be beneficial, uh, not detrimental when you're looking to build wealth or to build a business. Um, So uh, it's really, really uh, thank you for sharing that experience that you had in the finance world. Uh, And speaking of finance, you were able to, after the early successes of your your first few ventures, um, kind of turn yourself into an investor. Uh, You've gotten really involved in real estate. I would imagine you have other investments as well. Um, What's that process been like and what sort of tips might you share for folks who are maybe looking to get into home buying or investments uh, and things of that nature? Yeah. So my experience thus far has been great. I think something that I would share with um, others who are looking to diversify their income. I, I know I've said it before. It's a common theme, but like Give your truly give yourself grace. And when I say that, I'm I'm not saying it in vain. I mean like you're learning and you are trying your best every single day. So as long as you're being consistent and making small progress towards your goals, they always snowball. So my very first home was in a mansion or my dream home, but I had money saved up through my side hustles and, and saving up for this down payment bought the home, was able to take equity out of a home, do it again, um, and just trying to implement what I what I learned. I think something that's really important is having people around you who have done it before because they, they're able to provide you with a little bit of insight. And if you don't have those people around you, YouTube University, once again. But I have found that people who are in these spaces, they're a fountain of abundance and and wisdom and knowledge and they're just ready to outpour everything they know onto you. It's very rare that people who are successful are very secretive about their successes if they did it legitimately, I'm sure, of course. <laughs> if it's top-notch secret, I don't know if you want to get into that industry. <laughs> but um, you know, reaching out to people who are in this space and sometimes, you know, when people are very busy, they often have many people coming to them like, hey, can I pick your brain? Hey, can we go for coffee? Hey, um, can I sit with you for a 15-minute call? And it's a little bit unrealistic to go about it, that approach. I have found adding value to people based off of what you have to offer really um, helps you to get to gain proximity towards them. And then they're just sharing their and, and having a unofficial mentorship relationship with you because you're in their proximity. So um, that's a way to go about it. I would say small steps every single day. Don't think that you have to make huge purchases or huge investment moves right off the bat and just be consistent. And it looks like Lynn also, for those who are watching, uh, is willing to be a resource for you. So Lynn, um, what's that Instagram handle that people can reach out to you on? 
It's lynn.allure, so L-Y-N dot A-L-L-U-R-E. On Instagram, on YouTube, I've got a ton of just free videos, playlists that just put it on and start cleaning your house, start cooking, whatever, just taking the knowledge. Um, you can also check out goodgirlsgoneboss.com where there's also free resources on there. And we also have a private community that you can join and um, be surrounded by like-minded people who are also on the journey of, you know, online entrepreneurship or investing or just financial freedom in general. Well, Lynn, this has been a lot of fun. Very interesting. I want to thank you so much for joining us on Learn with Shopify Live. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. You've been watching our fourth episode of Learn with Shopify Live. Make sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And if you liked this episode and you want to hear some more, please let us know in the comments section below. Again, my name is Benjamin Gottlieb on Twitter at Benjamin underscore Max. That's Benjamin underscore M-A-X. And I'll catch you in the next one.